Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Krista. And we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age. It's about the feeling. All of us are almost something, seeking community and resources to support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. You are tuned in to Almost 30 Podcast. What's happening? It's Lindsay and Krista. Thanks for being here. If this is your first time, welcome. We've been doing this for about seven years now. We've been saying that for two years. Yes, it changes. I just do what I want it to be. People have been asking me my age lately and I'm lying. Isn't that crazy? Oh, that's crazy. (laughs) I'm like, I think I'm that, that, that. And I'm just like, whoa. But I'm like, I'm not taking it too seriously. It's just a lie that I'm telling. <laughs> we'll unpack like, that later. I feel like in this day and age, our age is actually kind of like young. I don't. I oh, don't feel don't? like, it, I don't know. I don't feel anything. I just, that's my business, not your business. Totally. I don't want <laughs> you to know my business of my age. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's young. It's, yeah, we're very young. I young and sprightly. Way. Yo, when we're 50, we're going to be like, yo, remember when 100%. we were 35%. Beep. I'm 35. Krista's 30. I'm 28. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think about when I was in my early 20s, I'm like, I was a child. I think about the fact that I thought that I would get married at 26. And I'm like, you're a child bride. Totally. You are a child bride. A hundred percent. But that's what our parents did. Our parents. No shade if you got married to the love of your life when you were 26. Peace and blessings. I was not mature enough to have done that. Oh, no. And I wasn't like who I was attracted to was not mate material. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it yeah, was very, a very good point. It was like a match for where I was at. So if you did find your match at that age, I'm actually impressed with yeah. where you were at. <laughs> I think too, at that age, I was looking for more of the spark. I appreciate the men that I was with. But yeah, I was very much looking for the spark in chemistry and number one over anything. Do you feel like it was codependent smart of like, what's the word? Trauma bonding. I've been thinking about that. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but I've been thinking about the trauma bonding spark. And I'm like, you know, the trauma bonding spark is also very important too, because for me, the trauma bonding spark has provided really important karmic lessons. Yes. And information and things that I needed to go through. For sure. So if I was aware enough, I could have maybe seen that and been like, hi, I see a trauma spark and then done my own work or searching, but... I'm really grateful for that magnetism of that because it really brought me through some things that I really needed that relationship to co-create, to see within myself. For sure. I mean, it's essential. I think a lot of us shame our early relationships like, oh God, that was such a dumpster fire. And it's like, that was exactly what we needed to experience, the contrast that we needed to experience in order to know ourselves better and also know what we really deserve. Yep. And yeah, up level in that way. Bring back trauma bonding. Bring back trauma bonding. Make trauma bonding <laughs> cool again. Great again. <laughs> trauma bonding is good. <laughs> but I think it's always going to happen, right? Like we, yeah. we have those parts of us that maybe didn't get fed or Tender nurtured mm-hmm. by our parents. And so we try to seek it in our partner. And so that's always going to happen, even if it's with your person or your partner that you're with yeah that's a good point because it's like we all have trauma yeah and we're all trying to bond to people anyways so it's not like you both could come perfectly healed to one another no no one's ever going to be perfectly healed in the co-creation of those relationships it was just really really important i don't know how we got here 
not sure either. But wow. anyway, when we rip, we rip. <laughs> Literally, when Shall we, rip. we keep it lighter? I know, honestly. We'll go deep. <laughs> We've been in Austin this week, which has been so much fun. And we were at dinner last night, and I was just being unhinged. And I said something. It was to a group of five, and we're all sitting there. And I was basically like, this place is a dump. Yeah. Or something. I and was we're like, sitting in, like, beautiful... It's beautiful. Like a beautiful restaurant. Granted, the service wasn't great, but... Service sucked. <laughs> and I just was like, guys, this place is a dump. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm Terry. I'm my mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say unhinged things that usually hit. Usually they're a surprise and they fucking hit. But I was just thinking, my mom says unhinged things that used to horrify me. Mm-hmm. And that if my child was there, they'd be horrified at what I say. But I feel like there's a part of Terry, that part can be respectable. Because it's sure. like, there's, it's like a no filter, but there's also yeah. like not caring too much about how the truth of how you're feeling affects other people. It's yes. just saying the truth. Yep. Which can be a nice example. Kind of people. iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Traumatizing <laughs> for a child, but iconic for me as I get older. Well, it's because now I love that in myself. So if you're someone that has a mother or father that just tells it like it is, very honest, lets it rip, it can be healing. Totally. You can see them as your inspiration for speaking your truth. Mm-hmm. It's like when I got steak last night, and it's, I'm surprised you didn't say it, but sometimes Crystal will be like, ew, disgusting. Makes me puke. <laughs> puke, puke, puke. <laughs> and I'm go, like about to I'll like cut like, into my steak. Oh no, yesterday someone was talking <laughs> about their elixir. They're like, I had this amazing elixir. I have cacao and mushrooms and cordyceps, and I'll put some froth goat milk on top of it. And I'm like, nah. I know. <laughs> I'm like, let people have their experience, please. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to let a rip. I'm going to bleh over your pea protein, okay? I know. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking lately, I'm like, I need to chill on having so many powders in my life. We have powdered elixirs, yeah. powdered proteins, powdered greens, powdered mm-hmm. everything. I'm like, my body actually doesn't want to be ingesting as many powders as I do. Yeah, I completely I completely know. Especially with things that aren't as, there's a lot of stuff in it. Yes. Sometimes I wonder. I'm just like, I'm always skeptical about ingredients. We try to do the best we can, but I'm like, how is that all working together? 100%. And when is it too much? Yeah. Too much of one thing. We just have so many things going on. Guys, today's conversation is a great one. Why is she the best? With our dear friend, Danielle Laporte, homie for life. I was with her in person in Los Angeles. She was here a few weeks ago, and it was just the best. I got to be in Topanga with her. I got to sit with her and Ashley Stahl and Sahara and one of her dear friends, and it was just so nice. And that's why I just fall in love with Los Angeles when I allow myself to because of the concoctions and the cornucopia of people and situations that you get put in. Mm -hmm. I just love LA because... I can go to Topanga and just sit with these women that kind of are in totally different worlds and realms and spaces a bit, haven't ever been together, and we can co-create this beautiful experience that we can never probably create again because we'll probably never be in the same situation again as a group of women. Mm -hmm. And so, so nice to be in Topanga. She's the best hugger of all time, even better in person, and just such a funny, funny, cool rebel, sacred rebel. So, and then we got to go to dinner together and I'll not say the place's name. So we're at this dinner and we're enjoying it and a cat walks in and this is a cat that I've seen before. So if you know me, I know my cats around my neighborhood. I know their faces. I know them. So I was at this restaurant. I had seen this cat before and I had thought this cat was pregnant and I was like, oh, there's a pregnant cat 
we need to help this cat. But it looked really healthy, looked good. I'm like, this is someone's pregnant cat. So this cat walks into the restaurant that I had seen months ago. And it just ends up sitting at one of the tables, like a human, just like sitting at a table. And I'm like obsessed. I'm like, oh my God, let me go talk to this cat, hang out with this cat. And so they take the cat outside. They're like, oh, you can't be inside, whatever, which seemed fine. And then I was talking to the server and I said, oh my gosh, that cat is pregnant. And they're like, actually, it's not. It's just really well fed. We actually recruited that cat to work here because we had a mouse problem. I was just about to say, I said, I know why that cat is there. You know the restaurant. Yes, I know exactly. Lindsay and I were at this restaurant years ago and there was rats and mice in the trees. I think we saw a few like run across a little stone wall and I was like, oh, okay. Disgusting. (laughs) It was disgusting. And then we told the staff and they were like, I was like, hey, there's rats in the back. And she's like, actually, they're mice. I was like, what is that thick ass tail then? <laughs> you know, honestly, I was like, I'm going to ask him because he was a huge mouse. Wow. And so the cat that I thought was pregnant was just very well fed by this restaurant and had gotten the mice and rats completely under control. So it was a stray cat. How they cool. took to the vet. And now is working at the restaurant. That is so cool. My favorite story of all time. That is what they do in Europe. Oh, I didn't know that. In Europe, like in Turkey and a lot of European places, like Italy, they'll have cats and they're okay with the cats being around because they're supportive of the rat and mice problem. So in New York, they have a huge rat infestation problem. And I was thinking about it. If this was a global city, Morocco, they do this as well. Uh They'd probably allow the cat population to be stray cats because they'd actually keep the rat and mouse population in control. But in New York, instead, they do pesticides. They do all the toxic Mm -hmm. chemicals. I'd be worried about the cats, though, roaming the streets and getting hit and stuff. That would worry me. In the subway and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. Wouldn't mind them being around, but I was like, oh. Yeah, it is a little funky in the density of New York City, but I just know that they do that in European countries where they're okay with the cats because they're part of the ecosystem there. That story made me so happy. And then we got to spend some time. And so this was really nice to like be in each other's energy, especially in support of a conversation like this. Danielle's been on the podcast before. She wrote the book, The Desire Map. She just recently released her book, How to Be Loving. She's been in the space for a while, and she's definitely like an OG figurehead. When we were at our first hang, she said something that was very prolific to me that I was really appreciative of because my friends have talked about this a bit, where she said, what are you guys up to? She was talking to me and Sahara because you guys are the next class of spiritual leaders and teachers. And there is almost like in our space, you know, yes. you have the OGs, like the Gabby Bernsteins, the Danielle Laportes. You have those people that have really been in Deepak Chopra's just like leading the way and pioneers of our community. And then you have the younger class that's like coming up, that's starting to write books, that's starting to put themselves out there. And so I was just really honored to be a mm-hmm. part of that. But in our conversation today with her, we talked about the concept of karma We talked a little bit about the book, How to Be Loving, and the concepts within it. We talked about loving yourself enough to be consistent. And I think there's such a balance between self-acceptance and striving. And how can we come to a better understanding of when we are in need of more self-acceptance and love? And when we are just kind of going outside of ourselves to look for validation or, yeah, a striving, like a way, an energy outside of ourselves rather than like an energy within. Mm. What about the consistent? What's the consistent piece, like consistency of showing up to anything? Yeah, could be routines, could be your passion, could be your relationship, Yes, could be your life, could Mm -hmm. be for your mental health. I think when we think of consistency, we think of discipline and we kind of think of something that's like more stuffing and provides a little bit more 
structure in a way that sometimes doesn't feel good. But I do think for anything that matters to you, consistency is so important. And we see this with people that we coach for podcasting. A lot of it really is consistency. And it's like thinking about the moments, because I have them in my everyday, where I'm tempted not to be consistent. And I'm like, what is actually the root of that? And that is the thought that I'm not worth it, or this is a dumb idea, or why would I even be pouring energy into this because other things are doing well? It's having enough presence to pause and like understand what's driving the stopping of consistency. Yeah. I think mine, if I think about it with like food and nutrition, it's like the part of me is like, well, I just had a long day. Sure. I want to just eat this thing. I'm tired. I want to just do this thing. You kind of just like- I've been good all week. Let's just whatever. Yeah. And it's really just loving yourself enough to be like, oh, I love that part of me so much that desires the break, that desires the ease, that desires slowing down. There's actually another way to fulfill that desire that I have outside of the food quick hit fix. And so it could just be, and it's also, I think, when we're loving ourselves enough to be consistent, it's making friends with the future self. Mm -hmm. It's being with that future version of us because the future version of us is the one that really is going to embody all the benefits of the consistency that you do now. So how can we really make peace with the past self that's really creating the situation where we're not wanting to be consistent out of trauma, fear, patterning, subconscious programming, and then bring in the future self and be like, oh no, I see and love that future self enough that I'm going to prioritize her well-being just as much. Yes. Yeah. I often just ask myself, like, how do I want to feel? Yes. How do I want to feel even just an hour from now? Am I going to feel really good that I actually tackled the emails in my inbox, the ones that I've been putting off? Like, how am I going to feel if I bring up to my partner what I've been having on my heart? Like, usually the answer is amazing. And it's going to feed the next thing that I do. You're so, so yeah. good at that. Yeah, this is... Just a great conversation that you're going to love. So if you are a fan of Danielle Laporte, maybe you're from her camp or community, welcome to Almost 30. We do spirituality, health, and wellness. Every single week, we have over 600 episodes. We really like to bring a very curious and open-hearted and open-minded lens to our conversations. We have so much more on our feed of podcasts, so make sure you subscribe to Almost 30 wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find more on our website. So almost30.com, you can listen to more episodes there even. You can find our blog, our podcast partners, our courses and programs, our amazing membership of like-hearted people. That is so, so incredible. Yeah. You can follow us on Instagram at almost30podcast and then I'm at Lindsay Simsick. I'm at It's Krista. Mm-hmm. Enjoy this one. If you really, really loved this conversation, share it with a friend, share it with a family member. This could be a great conversation starter. And thank you, Danielle. We love you. We love you, baby. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Oh, therapy, y'all. I don't know. I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for about six years now, which is so crazy. So crazy, but it has changed my life and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better. I am a better mom. I am a better wife. I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter and sister. 
Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, eh, not quite a fit, they make it easy and it's free to change. But I've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it. So I really, really encourage you to start therapy. It's been the best decision I've ever made for myself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash almost 30. I am juggling quite a bit lately. <laughs> I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, If you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. (laughs) Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, So let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, So I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L3 and 8. Um, it's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time. Right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. Hi. <laughs> with my mom. With my pseudo mother today. I was actually talking to Kimberly Snyder about you. Uh, oh, who was And then great. I was talking to someone else about you. And they were saying that you're the best hugger. Uh, they were at the dinner and they're like, whenever you walked by, they wanted to, you to I hug. just wanted a hug. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's the best hugger. I was like, I completely agree. My mama. I just want to like <laughs> be around you, but I'm so grateful that you're here. We've been talking offline about a bunch of different things, but. I think it's going to be really pertinent today to just kind of unpack a lot of different topics. I kind of want to do like a little 
charcuterie board of things, mm-hmm. not going deep on anything, but just things that I've been percolating and thinking about. And the first one was like continuation of our conversation that we had. We are commune. And you just seem like you're in such a beautiful, full place in your mm-hmm. life. There's obviously things that come up, but I was thinking about this chapter of your life. You're someone with so much wisdom and grace. What would you call this chapter of your life? Or how would you describe it? I was just writing about this, actually. I think we have spiritual seasons, spring, summer, fall, winter. And I think I'm in the my spiritual winter. And I think we keep cycling through, like, who knows, next month or maybe next year or a few years, I'll move back into a spiritual spring. But I feel this kind of austerity. It's been like some radical simplifying. I also feel some bleakness some days mm-hmm. with, you know, really concerned about the state of the world. I feel like I am really getting clear, like, this is so cheese, but there's a reason. Like the light really is within. And I also feel invincible. Who was the poet? Camus. It was in the darkest winter I found in me in an invincible summer. I feel that. Like, I've had a lot of health struggles the last couple of years. Just annoying. Yeah. Not like fight for my life stuff, just like <laughs> grind through life stuff. You're like, if it was darker, I'd get more attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always felt like a near-death like, experience. Where's the drama? Yeah. A near-death experience would be so good for my brand. Because uh-huh. oh I could come back and oh, say, I brought this for yeah. you. Uh-huh. And really all I can say is I've been grinding it out for a few decades. Take what you want, leave the rest. Yeah. You're like, this is my job and career now. Yeah. And this is what I have to show. Yeah. But. When you talk about some of the journey, there has been the dark night of the soul mm-hmm. and like a true dark night of the soul. And I know we were chatting about this before, but I'd love to sort of unpack that because I think it's now thrown around mm-hmm. by a lot of different people. It's now sort of made trivial, but it's actually sure. very not. So mm-hmm. I'd love for you to give your perspective on the dark night of the mm-hmm. soul. So glad. There are characteristics to dark night of the soul and... You know, I'd been through some stuff, health challenge, divorce, loss, some public humiliation. Those were challenging. That was actually not the dark night of my soul. And when I was really in it, I, of course, started to research everybody else's dark night of the soul. And I was reading a lot of St. John of the Cross, a lot of Catholic, Christian mystics. And one of the key characteristics is a real disintegration of your ego and identity, like you don't know who you're going to be on the other side. You feel like you've been a big fake your whole entire life. This wasn't my experience, but a lot of people really question God. Is this, is there really a creator? What is the infinite? Is there a divine? And for me, it was, and this I think is the nature of hell. You think, how long am I going to be in this? Is it going to last any longer? How do I get out? And that is 50% of hell. There's the flames, but then there's the terror when you're in there. And I definitely felt that. And just to bring everybody up to speed, I think when we incarnate, everything gets kind of pencil sketched out. Mm -hmm. But there's a few pins on the map that you got to hit. And the rest is really up to free will. I don't believe too much in destiny, but maybe just like a few little... And so, of course, my soul is going to dispense this opportunity, like burn some karma, expand, 
lose all the masks. I mean, this is really the definition of radiance. When the masks get burned and the real light is showing. And for most people, the mask burning is a bankruptcy, a breakup, a diagnosis, public shaming, something, something like that. A lot of loss. So I had a, a series of events it turned into like anxiety. I had no relationship to anxiety. I'd witnessed someone having a panic attack, someone who was working with me. I was like, what was that? And then talking to my shrink who allowed me to have her on speed dial. No joke. I mean, that's love, being able to text. And she said, Danielle, you're having panic attacks. I was like, I am not even an anxious person. She said, you've been managing low-grade anxiety your whole life by being an overachiever. And, of course, it all made sense, and I put it together. Suicidal ideation, waking up in the morning thinking, like my friends who are really heart intelligent, be like, do you have a plan to kill yourself? Be like, no, I have a kid, but I got a long-term plan. Like, I can deal with this tremulous hell. Anxiety is hell. Yes. And people don't get it. It's like a sinus infection. People who've never had it are just like, what? You look fine. You're like, no, this, you gotta know. And I was like, for my child, I can do this for five years. And then I'm going to get him on his way. And I'm going to have to drive off a bridge. But I'm good for now. I got five years of this. And of course, I healed myself. And But it is a dismantling, true dark night. And I wouldn't say it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm totally grateful for it. But kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the suicidal ideation was something I've had my whole life. My mom, that was like her pattern a lot. It was suicide was talked a lot about in the house. It was used and manipulated. And this year, I really had my reckoning with it when I went into the darkness, mm. into the four days in the dark. Mm. And I just really got to know that part of me, that part of me that feels like it's so hard that wants a way out mm -hmm. and believes that's the way out and believes mm -hmm. that like this will be the way. And it's like that little trip up of like, mm. this feels hard. And it was for me, and I this is different for other people, when I was denying myself feeling and emotion and when I was denying myself depression or anger or anxiety, whatever I was denying was really like, okay, if I'm not going to feel, then I want it because this feels too hard. So when I went into the darkness and I could really go yes. into the deepest grief, the deepest pain, like that feeling where it's coming and you're scared because you don't know if it's going to go away. You feel like it's going to be there forever. Oh, and that it might take you out. Yeah. Like, I will go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I will go and take. Yeah. This is it. And uh, to finally get over that hump and finally make peace with that was so powerful because that mm. was just like something that had been within me. And I didn't know that so many people had that thought. But I think when you're a soul that comes here and you are someone that is on a mission and you are someone that feels deeply it can be like the fantasy to go away oh plus we romanticize yeah. what's on the other side i'm really from another dimension once i'm disembodied yeah. it's going to be so this much is easier my last lifetime yes i, I when think... i started saying that i'm like it's not your last lifetime if you're saying that exactly <laughs> exactly and i love yogananda's teachings about this just work it out this lifetime i mean this could be your last lifetime if you're just like i'm gonna get it done but I started to hear stories about people's near-death experiences that weren't all love and light. And they were going into the hell realms and were really shook when they came back. I wonder if you watched the same one that I did. No. Okay. Yeah, this was 
a friend had an NDE. Okay. Just hearing her talk about her near-death experience, mm-hmm. I would just say, tell me again. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was just... But I thought, mm, you take your shit with you wherever you go. And yes, I think if your body vehicle is in a lot of agony, of course there's going to be relief. But I'm going to take all my ideation to the next dimension. I'm still going to have a lot of, let's not, future trip. There might be a lot of work to do. And so I want to get it done now. I don't feel so much like I used to be listening to Mazzy Star, handing my hand, saying, this is like totally my last life today. <laughs> I'm not coming back. Yeah. And I realize I am not living. Yeah. Because you're waiting for that. But something about your ideation had me think about strength and the wanting out. I've been dealing with respiratory stuff, heavy metals, poisoning, mold, toxification, all this stuff. And my lesson over the last couple months has been, I've seen how... I'm, listen, I'm strong. I'm invincible, except keep this little pocket where I feel I need attention. I need sympathy. I need a break. How dare you? Yeah, but so it was the last bastion for me of like, I actually don't need the attention. I don't need the sympathy. Yes, I want love. I want reciprocity. I love, oh my gosh, I'm so into loving intimacy with every like yes I want to be met all those things and I am respect however there's that little well it's I mean I'm sure it's as vast as my light but there's that unhealed wounded part of myself my shadow self my inner child my ego I was just like love me because I'm broken in this I, you know I shouldn't be working so hard someone needs to I need a better assistant. I don't even have an assistant, but I need a better one. I fled this winter to get to sun. What you run from will chase you. And I realized as I was sobbing on the beach in Tulum because things weren't working out, wasn't getting the healing that I needed. I was just like, I deserve better than this attitude. And then it was really, I mean, that was the resurrection. It was like, I don't need sympathy. I am going to be able to breathe so beautifully. I can live and travel wherever I want. That's what changed my respiratory system. And all the things, like you do the things. I think you have the revelation simultaneously with you find this great naturopath and you get finally get the right supplement. It all, you got it in or out or all those things. But I still have times when I just think I want off this ride. I would call it like micro. And I just go, I'm strong. And that's it, isn't it? Like, I'm strong. Not like I'm going to push through this lifetime, but it's like, I give faith to my godliness. I finally trust myself. Why we're strong? We chose to be here. Victory. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. I will be. Watching my language, I was going to say, I want to be. Let's go even further. Like, I am the antidote. I'm the antidote for my own life and for this time in humanity. I remember one time I was in my very, one of my lowest. I was walking across my bedroom just by the dresser. I remember exactly where I was. And I was like, I couldn't believe what was happening. The public humiliation thing. So much going on in my personal life. And I remember my soul going, 
you hate this, but I love it. I'm learning so much. Yeah. And it was just this clear as day message about the things that I'd been going through and the mission that I came here for and mm -hmm. the reminder that our souls love the challenge. They love the friction. They love the discrepancy. They love the journey of it all mm -hmm. and what a joy it is to be in a human body. And that reminder when we're so flippantly saying we want to leave it, that there's so much opportunity here for us for growth, for love, for coming back to self. But what we're talking about that I think about almost daily is the conversation or difference between striving and then self-acceptance. So there's that voice you have in your head that's like, I want to rest. I want help. I need another assistant. When is that voice in need and some nurturing and truth and love? And then when is that voice actually the voice that's not supporting your life mm -hmm, and your mm -hmm. journey? And when does that voice need to be alchemized mm -hmm. to the true voice? Mm -hmm. So how do you balance that with mm -hmm. like the self-love? We want to love all parts. We want to love ourselves as we are. But then there are lower parts of us that are really keeping us mm -hmm most powerful spiritual thing I've ever been told from the most powerful esoteric ever, esoteric teacher, take breaks. It's revolutionary. Just take breaks. So less plowing for me. I used to think, oh, I, I can bend time. I can get across time. I got a 15 minute drive. I will get there in seven minutes because the green lights, et cetera, et cetera. Angels are going to lift my chariot to, to the meeting, right? There's a certain angel <clears throat> that you pray to for parking spots. Yeah. I never forgot that. Yeah. Like, okay. Except there was the whole period of my life where I thought, I'm so powerful. I'm just going to surround my car in light and not plug the meter. And then like $900 in oh parking God. tickets later, I was like, I live in reality. Oh, my God. Yeah. With parking tickets? Pay now, parking. if I get one, I say, thank you, God. If I don't get one, I say, thank you, God. Yeah. So I'm just like, <laughs> we're not going to be acting like this ain't me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the taking breaks is actually bending time. Like I can rest and expand at the same time. I can rest and expand. And really, I think my, my most powerful counsel these days is treat yourself like a five-year-old. They need breaks. You need naps. You need to eat at the same time every day. And you need to get good sleep. That's self-love. And every mystic has been talking about that for thousands of years. It's that basic. And then, you know, you have the other side of metaphysics, which is self-crucifixion and all yeah. the withdrawal, the desire and aversion and all those things. Meditation has taught me, this is on the good days, it doesn't always happen, but I've gone through a period where meditation feels like the true reality. Like that is, I'm awake in meditation, and when I open my eyes, I'm just like, wow, this is theater. Yeah, away from the dream. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that helps me strive less. And... There's lots of healing in that. And now I feel that I'm at a point where, well, there's one more layer. I've been questioning if it's a trip of the ego that we have to save the world. Like, what if that is some what do you mean? shadow fabrication, right? Mm -hmm. Because if God is in everything, mm -hmm. this is all unfolding. P.S. Most of what's happening now has been prophesized. And there are no accidents. And... Jesus got the wheel. For so, anyone that wants to save the world, it's like, what do you want to save the world from? Like, what are you perceiving mm -hmm. to save the world from? And what's your perception of like what you could specifically do that would save the world? 
It's always, mm -hmm. you know, all the teachings, the channelings that have come through recently are not save the world, it's save yourself. Yeah, save yourself. Figure yeah. out a way to be the example. And this is the Buddha. It's like, how can you be the example for your community and for yourselves? And I think that's like different than what we've been taught through like Judeo-Christian Jesus, like Jesus as the person, the martyr, as it was perceived. Mm -hmm. Who knows if that was the truth? But there's the perception that we need to give or we need to sacrifice or we need to change other people to like help change the world. But it really starts from within mm -hmm. and people really focusing on their own work, really focusing on their own healing, really focusing on even their community and relationships. There's so much that can be done in our own lives that we have control of that's not changing the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But sometimes mm -hmm. those are those desires are futile. Mm -hmm. And if you are vastly creating your own reality, yeah, then start by creating a healthy body, yeah. right speech, true intimate relationships. Start there, it ripples out. And as any mystic knows, you get in there, you're just like, oh, I love everybody. And I say a prayer when I put something in the garbage because I feel connected to the plastic, the earth, the soil, the, may this decompose. Like you just, you start to feel connected and your tone changes. Everything changes. And, you know, with vibration, the work of Joe Dispenza or mm -hmm. any of the HeartMap Institute work, we know topics like entrainment. Mm -hmm. If you are vibrating at the highest frequency, you will elevate the frequency of those around you. And there is research around the collective consciousness. The recent Nobel Prize winner did a lot of work on the collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. So if we are raising our own consciousness, raising our own awareness, then we are going to impact everyone around us, which seems radical and it's unseen. So that's the hard part is the ego doesn't get fulfilled by saying that it has the highest vibration, but not the knowance that it's like the vibration that's going to entrain others. I have a really great visual for this. Yeah. Imagine that your thoughts are like little spheres of light, little light marbles that hang out. And like attracts like, universal. This is physics. And so you have some positive thoughts hanging out here. It's going to pull more positive thinking out of you. And that creates this cluster. Same goes for negative thinking. So you're walking around with these clusters, these little beacons of energy in your auric field, just a bubble. For most of us, it's two feet. For some masters, it's many miles. And that's the little flashing sign that says gratitude, positivity, goodwill, kindness. And what do you get? Everybody's like, oh, there's that. And also the unseen forces are, they're hovering saying, life wants to heal. The universe favors love. And I've been talking about this with manifestation just this week, is that the energy field will not recognize selfish desires. So if you have a selfish desire, if your bucket list is just, you are not going to get assistance from, let's say, the angelic realm, because that's not love. It's supporting love. You want to love? Oh, we are going to come down with synchronicities, with ease. You're going to sleep at night, right? Now, someone might be thinking, yeah, but I, lots of people are selfish and they're manifesting. Yes, that's because manifestation is a technology and any bozo and beauty can do it. Have the vision, make it sensual, feed it over and over. Think and think and think and think and think and think and think. You can still be insecure, broken, nasty, greedy on the inside. It's just how are we going to use the technology? Your Getting things, manifesting things, will be so much more graceful and bonus. So much more rewarding when you get there 
when you are doing something on behalf of the heart, on behalf of the collective, you are not going to, and I can speak to this personally, you're not going to get there and think, oh, crush that goal, slay that, next thing. Yeah. No, you actually get there, you rest, and you use all the energy, all that nectar from that success, and it goes down your path and you ride it. You become a surfer instead of a grinder. Very big difference. The universe does not recognize selfish desires. Yeah. When I realized that manifestation was like matrix play, that you're like, mm. ah, this is like turning dials. And that's what my guides always show me, like turning dials in the matrix. Mm. I want this. I want this. And it's, I also realized that the universe is a capitalist. So the universe actually doesn't work in the way of law of attraction all the time, because then we would just say, I get this thing. I want this thing. It's not going to give us the selfish desires that you talk about. It's not going to give us the things that are of the heart. And what I've been able to manifest have been the things that I've been the least attached to. The grip has been the least. That's been such an interesting factor in the world of manifestation. Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. I have been doing these superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time, but let me just say, this is new. Like this is a new type of audio that, um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future. Um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, it's incredibly supportive. So we actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, and we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. I think this leads us to the conversation around desire and aversion. Mm -hmm. You wrote the desire map, and I'll never forget where I was when I first got it, too. I was in my apartment in Venice, my one-bedroom, doinky apartment. 
We used to feed a squirrel outside the window named Chris almonds every day. It was just this piece of shit place. And I had the desire map in my hand. And I just remember reading it and being like, this shit is so radical. Mm. This is such a silly example. But for so long, I was like, I want to run a marathon. The desire map made that light bulb go off. Like, I don't want to run a marathon. Mm. I want to have the feeling of saying I ran a marathon to people. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, whoa, she ran a marathon. Respect Respect her. Mm. Like she's able to do things. And just having the feeling of understanding my desires more. So what's been your evolution with that book and the feeling of desire? Because I know you talk a lot about desire and aversion. So I'd love to explore that. Okay. So first desire map, how do you want to feel? That was this question that evolved into what do you want to embody? Because I was in that rough place that we were talking. I was in the dark night of the soul. When you wrote that? No. Okay. So So the jump cut to like, you know, five, seven years later. And a friend calls me. And at that point, people were checking on me. Like, are you okay? Are you going to off yourself? We're going to bring some food over. So I thought, oh, another friend is calling to check on me. Yeah. This was dark night of the soul time. And a friend who I hadn't spoken to in a long time called. And... She didn't know the state I was in. And I'd just been like bawling my eyes out in my living room before she called. And the conversation just flowed to her first. How are you doing? She was in a rough place. And I was just, I was a friend. We do what we do. We witness and we listen and we're loving and well, you got this and how can I support? And she had to go. And my pain didn't get attended to. And I felt amazing. And I just like, I feel so close to God. I feel so loving. I feel so loved. It has nothing to do with me being in a good mood. You're getting out of your story. And I got out of my story. Yeah. And this, that's a great term, actually, because the story is astral waters. It's all the lower chakras. And that is where feelings come from. Feelings and emotions. Now, we could debate about what's a feeling, what's an emotion. doesn't matter. Feelings for a lot of us are also thoughts. Mm -hmm. There's actually, there's the thoughts that come from clear mental acuity. Those are not emotional. That's just discernment, clear seeing, which is actually a function of the heart. So just more research into like, what? Astral, emotions. I did have a moment of like, oh my God, I got this wrong. And this is, desire maps like a thing. I didn't get it wrong. It's just that's not the end of the story. You have to use your feelings as a global positioning system. Because so many women would come up to me after gigs and say, I had no idea that my feelings matter. Because my dad put me through school and I'm working in this law firm. I just be like, sister, okay, everybody, your feelings matter. Don't stop there. So yes, spend as long as you need to, a couple years, a decade. How do you want to feel? Create a life based on that. Let's move on. What do you want to embody? I want to be love no matter what. Doesn't matter what someone says to me, how traffic is, what's in my DMs, how, you know, whether I'm 20 pounds, whatever. Love, compassion, that's warriorship. I don't want to, I don't want to be thrown off center. I don't want anything to pull me out of my heart. Happens a dozen times a day. I want to speak consistently. I want my text to be compassionate. And when you start aspiring for that, for embodiment, again, I'll use the word, the tone changes. You hear it in people. You see it in people. It's a text that says, 
Instead of saying, I'm waiting for you, you text and you say, just wondering how you are. Everything good? Can't wait to see you. It's just, you're kind with every, even though they're late and you're waiting. You're kind. And it's also true. It. It's truth that you're waiting, but it's also truth like that your heart has the desire of like curiosity of what they're doing. You know, like, okay, I'm, you know, here waiting for you. Like the truth actually isn't the reaction. It's like, hey, I desire to see you and I desire for you to come. Mm -hmm. And you're, mm -hmm. and that's what's like mm -hmm. hurting me or bothering me. Mm -hmm. My question, and this is something I struggle with quite a bit, like being loved. That's the desire. But also there's a part of me that feels like if I am loved that I won't be able to have off-color humor, off-color opinions, to be, to talk shit, to like say whatever. It's like, I have a feeling that if I'm love, I have to be this certain ideal of like almost flaccid or almost like, I know. What, how do you, how do you work with that? I know. I sometimes I think to myself, Thich Nhat Hanh would not be sitting around talking shit like I am right now. And then I justify it. It's like, well, He's not in this space. He's not an entrepreneur. He'd have to know yeah. who's who and who's <laughs> doing what. Yeah. And if he know, saw that, yeah, he yeah, would talk. Yeah. <laughs> Did they buy their way on the list? Yeah. It's hard work. I know. I just think it's hard work. And I think we can be like, you're so funny. You're so funny. People don't, I don't think people, because there's so much deep stuff, yeah. but like you are funny. Yeah. Deep funny. And just so happens I feel the same way about myself. Recognize real. You know, actually, one of my favorite career moments was I was speaking at Grace Cathedral in San Francisco. So I'm like, I'm in a cathedral. And my son, he was about 12 or 13. He came to see me. We were traveling together. And after my gig, I was like, So what'd you think? And he was like, You're kind of like a comedian. Like, are you meaning to be like funny or spiritual? And I was like, Oh my God, that's the best compliment yeah, ever. Good. I think. There is a way to be funny and be in right speech. There's that. I think there are, there's a long list of words I won't even speak anymore. I'm going to say something really intimate. Yeah. I don't use the word fuck during sex anymore. I love that. Why? Yeah. Because I think negative energies are just waiting to come in during a root chakra sexual a lot of dark energy can come through and that word is so charged and heavy that to use it during those moments it is it's an invitation for something to jump on you that <laughs> is not the person you want jumping you so it's that kind of degree of awareness and promise and i can also tell you from you can say a lot of other words in bed that are will get you to the place you want to go. Uh, Dirty, though, is underrated. It's underrated. But I think you could even talk dirty from a place of consciousness. Yeah. Like, I'm aware of what I'm saying. This isn't diminutive. I'm not, like, I'm going to consciously go into this place. What it is, or what it's not, it's not programmed smut. And so much of our language is programmed. So much of all the ideologies, the personality tests, the I'm a this and therefore that. I'm a Virgo and la la la. I'm an entrepreneur. It looks like this. And this goes back to parenting. With my son, we didn't say, I hate broccoli. Why would you hate broccoli? It's why would we hate anything? We say, I don't like broccoli. I don't want broccoli. It's sad. It's conscious. Like, this is the cross to bear, Krista. 
is we know that words are magnetic, that sound is a vibration that carries an energy that you're going to attract more of. So we have to be mindful. And sometimes it'll mean like, oh, feeling like such a boring tick not on because I want to say that one fucking thing. And we have to reserve. And my experience is you get more powerful and you get funnier. And your vision, your capacity to see things, the more mindful I am with my sound vibration, the more psychic I become. There's a relationship. And actually, the esoteric of that relationship is the second chakra right underneath the navel that is all about creative will has a very special relationship with the fifth chakra, with the voice. So the will, the idea, the vision actually comes from the root. And it just sends a signal up. Now, hopefully, your heart filters that. Is this a good thing to desire? Is this aligned with love? Okay, I'm going to commit to that desire. And then your voice makes it so. And then I think there is kind of a get out of jail free card sometimes where we can just, we can soak things in a good intention and crack the joke. And, you know, the jester is always the wise, the jester is the person to watch. And this has been very interesting, watching the gestures over the last three, four years of human unfolding. I was just saying to a friend last night, it's so interesting. You never know who the hero is going to be. And it's, in my estimation, it's been the comedians these last few years yeah. and the addicts, the recovered addicts. Yeah. I think it's alchemy. I was talking about it's the mm. alchemy in the truest sense. Because I was talking to someone who was saying that. They're like, you have such a beautiful way of like cutting mm. when we're there, mm. cutting it back. Mm. And to be an alchemist in that way is like the greatest gift. And that's a lot of energy, subtle energy reading too. You're like, okay, this feels tense. How could we move it back to comfort? How can we move it back to joy? How can we move it from a state that feels a little bit too serious? Because we're all just too serious. And that's where I've had a hard time within our space. Like, we're just too ego. Yeah, too ego. I think I've overextended on the writer, the intellectual, the philosopher, because I really love to learn about people. I'm here to study. Mm -hmm. And so sharing that so much online or on the podcast has become a huge part of me. And that's easy for me because it's safer. But it's like I'm sort of ready to move beyond that because I'm like done sharing things. Like I'm done not sharing the things. I'm just done focused so much on like the depth of everything and ready to like bring more levity. Well, and we know you're smart now. Yeah, exactly. Like you've got your cred, you have yep. your knowledge yep. and we trust your lived experience. Yep. And that's all anybody has anyway, is their lived experience. Like I'm even noticing your pendant, is that a dagger? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you cut up. Mm -hmm. I can tell from your humor and the way you cut is you're actively trying to love yourself. Deeply. Yeah, so it makes me trust you. It's like, wow, you're doing the work. So if you're doing the work, you're generating some compassion. You were going to have that for somebody else. You're not going to say, you're not going to leave them hanging. Yeah. You're going to go scoop them up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just on this, I've noticed with me being in my humor, I had a video, my friends and I went to a concert the other night. It was hilarious. We got like a party bus and it's just back to our 20s. I was like, we should all do a dance to a song like in the party bus. So we all did our own dance to a song. I did my dance and I was like, watch the video because my friend showed me a video and I was like, whoa, that is like the true me. But I have such a fear of 
when I am in comedy or play or that type of thing of not being beautiful. And yes. I really realized that I was like, oh, if I'm smart, I can control. Hello. Well, yes. Three quarter portrait. Yes. yes. All I can of that, control yeah. how I look, how my body looks. I can be tight, whatever. Yeah. And so it's that I realized that I was like, wow, I'm really afraid to not be seen as beautiful or not be seen as attractive. Yes. And that is the fear if I am to step into like just being more silly, loosey goosey, that there's going to be faces or movements that I do or things that I do where I can't control how I look. So was your dance on the bus super good? So good. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. The fiesta good. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked at it and I was watching him like, oh, that's the real me. Yeah. Like I hadn't seen that in a long time. I was like, oh, yeah. that's the real me. I'm really grateful that I saw that. But yeah, it was just super good. It looked like a, everyone was dressed in like short ass skirts. I was dressed like a total dude. So I was everyone's <laughs> boyfriend that night. I was wearing a jean denim Joe dude baggy shirt, yeah. <laughs> like, a hair back in a pony, like truly just like everyone's boyfriend yeah. all night. But that's like just me being able to slip into that. I think we have these thresholds. Like, so my corollary for that would have been, so can we just call that a mask? The yeah. the intellectual equals beauty mask. Yeah. Mine was the brazen fucking throw down on stage mask, yeah. which was really got me into this whole thing I have with authority. I think we talked about that, yeah. our last convo. And that became part of my brand. Okay. And then dark nights and experience and just really a commitment to love and doing the work to be aligned. Just like I meditate every day because love, I want to be one with the trees. I want to clean it up. I'm here to embody Christ consciousness. And if that's your intention, you will get more gentle and you will be less performative. So I swear less. I am less tough on stage. I'm okay if I'm quiet, but I still, that's my theme. I've been in LA now, it's going on almost two weeks. And there was like a, we'll say a colleague. And I just noticed myself with this colleague last week where I felt like I just have to be like, hi, how's it going? And love. And this person is, is I'm going to use this word with intention, like kind of a dick. And they're, well, if they're a dick, I'm over. Exactly. It's extra. Yeah. You're extra. Oh, yeah. And I just thought, you know, and they have obviously the woundedness and hence, the, you know, they're kind of cold and arrogant. And I could just see myself this kind of agitation performance. And I know everybody listening is relating to this yeah. right now. It's happening with somebody for some reason. And I thought, I know who I am. Why am I uncomfortable with this person yeah. and kind of do this thing? And one, it's actually a loving impulse. I give it a bit of credit, like they're in pain. They're disconnected. I want to love them into softening up. Like, don't you, I'm, I turn into a puppy. Don't you want to be warm? Don't you want to be interested and curious in people? And, la, 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 la. and, but then the shadow side is, I don't need to do that because that's a place in me. I don't need to be seen. I don't need to be heard. I don't need the sympathy. You don't have to think I'm awesome. And I'm actually in that moment projecting. Because inside, I want to just relax. Yeah. And not talk that much. I want to kind of do what they're doing minus the kind of arrogant side. So I relax and we don't have to talk about anything deep at dinner. Yeah. 
It's like, how's it going? Yeah, I'm just going to chill. Well, it's interesting now I've turned where I'm like, if you're like that, I'm like, oh, fuck you. But yeah. I'm usually, yeah. Lindsay will watch it. I mean, Lindsay's seen it all. Because yeah, we meet people every single day yes. that we're interviewing that we have to be intimate with. I have to gain their trust. And I'm not like going in like, I'm going to gain their trust and then share their yeah, yeah. secret. But there's a reason why we've been successful. And it is because our ability to create intimacy with people, because mm-hmm. that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. We had someone come for an interview the other day and it was a man and he buzzed on the door and we like opened the door and we're like, it's open. He's like, no, it's not. And we're like, okay. Comes to the door up here. We had food delivered because we were here all day. Like our team needed food. So we had food. He's like, there's a bunch of food out here when he comes in. And my higher self was like, oh, wow. That's what he does when he's nervous is he criticizes. So this man was nervous. Mm-hmm. And he was criticizing because he was nervous. Good catch. Good catch. Because that higher self was like, you're going to be talking to this person. You need to find some bit of heart mm-hmm. in them. Mm-hmm. But the one part of me wanted to be like, you're so, such a dick. You're mm-hmm. so annoying. But mm-hmm. there's things that people do that I think we overlook as women or as sensitive beings when we're overextending and doing that, where there is a maybe a little bit of nerves, maybe a bit of social anxiety because our thing is to over-index to kindness and softness and making them feel good, we forget about the people that are deeply insecure and deeply nervous Mm -hmm. and deeply, maybe it's not confidence, but maybe it's actually insecurity that's making you be that way. Mm -hmm. And I've spent so much of my life doing that comforting of the person that I had to have a few years where I really focused on the relationships where I didn't have to do that because that was my focus. If there was someone there that I was uncomfortable with, I was going to figure it out make a joke, self-deprecate, give them everything, blah, 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 blah. And I had to actually like drop a lot of those relationships with people because that was so exhausting for me to do. But now can you do, it's the same behavior, Mm -hmm. make the joke. Yes. Warm it up from a different place. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I want to be the mother queen in all situations, right? So when I move into inner child mode, mm-hmm. I don't want to say, oh, we got you this food. Yeah. Let me love you into being better. Let me love you into okayness. Yeah. Where I get in like, this is about me. That same situation. I know that one. And I would just be like, I fucking got this catered. And I'd be a little, and I would push out yes. the so-called welcoming vibe. And on a good day, on a good day now, I can see someone scared be like it's okay come on in yeah and now just move away from the person like why it's like either action of caring so much trying to overextend or just like completely ignoring it doesn't need to be either it's just like they're not a match for where i'm at and that's okay and finding the people yeah. that feels like a natural match yeah without focusing so much on like this isn't a fit or this is a fit Yes. And I think when you get older, you really are able to be like, oh, we're actually just not a fit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like in friendship or a relationship, in your friendships, what has that journey been like across the years? Like what are things you look for in friends? How do you see your friends as a part of your life now? I think this idea that you are the five people you hang out with is total bullshit. You would. (laughs) And it's so damaging because it makes relationships so transactional. Your strength, your beauty is... Look at how diverse your friends are. Have some poor friends, have some rich friends. Have some friends that are falling apart. Have some friends that totally have their shit together. Come on. And all the ranges of diversity inclusiveness. 
I feel that I definitely get that there are seasons and I don't feel anxious about the seasons anymore. Like, oh my God, we haven't talked in a year and I need you to know how much I love you. So because I love you so much and also because you got to remember I'm a loving person, like that's all the things. And now I'm just like, oh, it's okay. There are some lines, some chapters in my life that are distinct. We're just like, no, it just stopped playing that role and like so we're not in touch as much anymore I am very effusive with my friends I've doubled down this kind of gets into leadership for me friendship and working with a team it's like I've doubled down this year on transparency and even again being here for the last two weeks I haven't been in LA for three years and now everybody's allowed to freely travel and so I am welcome in all countries now and I'm engaging from a different level now. I'm just like, how are you? It's been so long. And it's just like, wow, I've had some health stuff kicking my ass. And I'm is so in love with my man. And I'm better than ever. It's just fuller. Things are fuller now. There's a different kind of honesty. And I'm so much less judgmental. Look, every relationship. Like we were talking about at dinner the other night how we love our girlfriends and in some ways it's easier but my point was like well we're not sleeping with our girlfriends at the moment whatever whichever way we're swinging and it's like we don't have to get groceries with them we're not managing we're not negotiating life with most of our girlfriends it's very different than a romantic partnership yeah especially male female that's such an interesting point about the five people that you surround yourself with and i want to just talk about that a little bit because i do remember a moment in time or the moments in time where i felt incredibly unaligned in my life where i felt like just unaligned whether it was in my work in my personal relationships blah 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 in my mm. social media whatever mm. my life consists of and i remember feeling insecure because i was like I, my friends are not going to want to hang out with me because I'm not thriving, because I'm not aligned, because I'm not successful, because I'm not all of these things. In the feeling of shame and guilt that I had during those moments of, in the aloneness, you know, how alone I felt, where there's certain friends that I have that I did feel like because I was not thriving, that they wouldn't want to be around me because it might affect, it might reflect, it might be something. Well, they're not getting what they want from the transaction. Yeah. Because that's all transactional yeah. bullshit, yeah. Yes. Or it's just, this isn't a fully formed thought. There are some women that I've known and been friends with that it's almost like when I come in my truth and if my truth is not the joy and happiness and the exuberance and it's like a depth or a depression or a lowness, that they have a fear of taking it on almost or they have a fear of like... It rubbing off? Yes, or being stuck there with me or having to go there or... They're already at capacity. Like you can feel it energetically if someone's fluid enough to meet you there and be able to leave and not keep themselves there. But I've noticed that there's some relationships that I have with women where they almost put walls up if I'm feeling because I don't know if they don't have the capacity or they're afraid of something. Don't have the capacity. Yeah. Yeah. This is why you do want to hang out with people who have done their work. Yeah. They don't need to be your full five. Yeah. But that is the vibe you're looking for. It's like, I love being with people who have suffered. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Suicidal ideation. Let's yep. go for dinner. Addict. 
Yes. So, love it. Like yeah. people have made it to the other side. Yeah. I love it. old dope. Yeah. I like you more. Because they can dive with you. And so like my experience in my dark passage was some friends could not keep up the pace. Yeah. I would just like, I am bleeding. They did not have a tourniquet because they hadn't had that experience. They hadn't done the therapy, the whatever it is. And they showed up in the way that they could. And part, one big piece of the pie of that whole dark night of the soul lesson for me was like, people going to meet you at the depth that they've gone to. Yeah. Forgive them for not have gone to the depth yet. And you're going to come out, you'll be resurrected and more shiny and wise. And they'll still be there. And you could be like, you weren't there for me. But it's like, well, then you're not out of your passage yet. If you can't love everybody in your midst. I'm just like, you did what you could. Let's go. And that was something, I mean, my separation, my divorce separation, whatever the heck. It's like, I would be insane if I'm going to the same people, expecting them to hold me. And they've Mm -hmm. never been able to hold me. Yeah. Who's the problem? Is it me that would continue to go to the same women that I know don't have capacity as me? Mm-hmm. I love what in Women Who Run With The Wolf, she says, you'll get your heart broken if you expect people to have the same heart as you. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to people expecting them to have the depth or that emotion or that empathy or that capacity. And honestly, for a lot of my life, the way that I wanted to be held was people matching my vibration. So if I was, uh, so that was a thing too, that I mm-hmm. had to really get over and realize I was best in service matching vibration for people. And I was best served when people would, so if I was crying, you're crying, we're crying together, we're like, mm-hmm. so I had to also get over that feeling of like, what does it feel like to be held with the oak tree, with someone that's holding the power and holding their energy and holding pose, but also still being able to be there for me. And in the process of the divorce separation, it was so interesting to watch the relationship sort of shift and have the people that were the ones that had pulled and be there for me really just show themselves and have the people that weren't there was a few that weren't which was but it was i was so clear in my truth and my decision that i didn't even care if they were it would be just like a test like hang out and see if they can hold see if they can't hold it's all good because i'm so clear within Mm -hmm. that i don't even really need someone to like hold or validate or be there for me but I just have my very few people that are like the ones that can really, really go like a Lindsay or mm-hmm. the people that I have as my like family. Somebody listening right now has got to be having an epiphany of like, wow, my friend needed me and I wasn't there. Oh yeah, You're the one that can't hold. And then you go through it mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, it is really healing to go back to people and say, I couldn't be there for you then because I didn't get it. It's wow. just a beautiful full circle moment i've even done that in small scenarios with weddings like people would have weddings and i'm so grateful i had my wedding because i realized how people want to be held during wedding times Mm -hmm. there's a very specific portal you're going through with Mm -hmm. your body your family finances your relationship Mm -hmm. everything and i just was so flippant about previous weddings but Mm -hmm. i would just be like there i'd be like hey hey dinner's great dinner's great beautiful yeah and now I am like, fuck. You're in there. Let's have a ceremony. And I yeah. would pedestalize them and I'd not see them as a human. Mm. I'd be like, hey, like, because they were like on stage. Yeah. I have a habit of pedestalizing. So I was like pedestalizing them and I wasn't like being a human. Like, what's that? How are you doing? Mm. And just the way that I can be there with people in that process has shifted so much too. But I really love that point of just recognizing people. Wait till you have a baby. Oh my God. 
It's yeah, it's amazing. The how women will rally for you. That is half of the experience. Yeah. Did you find more for or more against? Because I do oh, feel like there's a lot of stories too. What kind of stories? Maybe it's like, this is so hard. Just wait till they regress. The kind of like you have your baby oh, and you're like, it's all good. And you're like, wait till they're walking. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Uninvited. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I need to go home and nurse. Yeah. There was so much I didn't get. Like how the protective nature is like, you're so overprotective. Or the how loose and tolerant they were with children. I was like, your child's going to run wild. And then I just like, oh, that was wisdom. Wisdom. And there's, yeah. 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 And I remember my friends were informed enough, like, don't come over and take the baby so I can clean the house. They let you be with the baby and they clean the house. So desire and aversion, two sides of the same coin. So behind everything you don't want to have happen is a desire for the opposite. Mm -hmm. And when you get that, it really changes what you go after. So it's like, I only want to hang out with people that are at a certain vibration, or I don't like the cold. You will attract all that stuff because what you run from chases you. And so you'll always want to be with certain kind of people. You'll always need certain kind of weather, certain kind of clothes. And that is contracted consciousness. So my point there that I just want to kind of cram in is, You should look at what is repulsing you because you are definitely creating things that are the opposite of that to chase and it is burning your energy and it is, it will lead to a dead end. Like if all you need is a home to be happy because you don't want to be homeless or you don't want to be stuck in this small town or whatever it is, it's just goals on top of goals, which are just really you running from stuff you don't like just become more unbotherable what are you repulsing right now i did really have a story about cold for a long time mm-hmm. and it's still there i still work on it it's cold it's cold but it my heat's always cranked and i always have so i started swimming in a very cold ocean and by swimming i mean i get in and i get out and go oh my god i am so enlightened because i just did that but i want to cry Certain kinds of people, like arrogance, which is a big projection. Arrogance is my, that is my shadow. Like I used to say, oh, she's all about her. I'm all about me right now. Sometimes it's around, I got to eat. I got to eat. I'm going to have a blood sugar issue. That's, maybe that's an aversion. And I could just use my mind. There's no food right now. I'm going to accept what is. I'm going to be okay without this meal. I worked on a long time on not being averse to mold. And I thought, fuck, Danielle, is this like magical thinking? What is it? And what it was, was, this is very subtle, but I would, mold is my enemy. It's attacking my respiratory system. And then it holds me back from being a whole, full, vibrant person. And it even leads to weight gain and it's interrupting my sleep and all these things. Then I can't serve humanity and oh my God, I need to serve humanity. Well, mold comes from the same source. Mold is God. And that helped me. Like, it was so ironic. Like, I could be like that smelly guy on the street corner, that loud person in yoga class. I could get to love with them. I could be like, we all come from the same source. All these tyrannical leaders. And I just like, it's serving a purpose. It's beautiful. Thank you, Mold, for all you have taught me. 
and solutions started to appear. Yeah. That's my new thing. Like I'll see someone will cut me off in traffic or I'll have someone be an asshole for me somewhere. That was specific order by God. Specific order. Specific order. It's such a powerful term. Yeah. Specific order created and designed by this moment, this I think one of the aversions, what I perceive that we've had together when we've talked about it is just like feeling like people sometimes in the space are, there's like an inauthenticity Mm -hmm. and there's a ego and there's a reaching and there's performance element and there's a self-serving element. For me, that's been super present. It actually breaks my heart. Yes. So all those things you just described I have been that person. I've done that yeah. to different degrees. And I'd like to think a lot of that behavior is dissolved. Yeah. This is what you see is what you get. With that aversion now, I just feel I have faith that they're going to get it. And that helps a lot. And I have to really be clean with this because <laughs> how it would be is be like, oh, they're going to have their dark night of the soul and wake up. I was going to say. And I don't want to wish that on anybody. Mercy is... I hope you don't have a dark night of the soul in order to get to happiness and fullness and being more genuine. So I'm just like, ah, you're there. I've done that. You're learning. I'm going to go read this author. And also discernment. Let's not get too saccharine and new age about this. People who are falsifying their records of spirituality are a great indicator about how asleep humanity is right now. So I will continue to be as truthful as I can about my journey. And we got to wake up. I rainbow heart it. I have this really sweet practice. So I love that. It's first you think of a sweet, soft, loving recollection so that you get the mind to soften. It could be you and your like dog. It could be swimming. So mind relaxes a bit. You can get the mind into the heart. And then you think about the painful thing. You think about the person you're averse to, the humiliation, whatever it is. You bring it into your heart, which you will learn. The more you do heart practice, the more you learn. Vast. Vast. You really, so much space in there. And then with very translucent light colors, kind of your brand, you just saturate that situation with those color frequencies. Because every color is a healing energy. It has a different kind of healing personality. You can do this 100 times a day. Just rainbow heart it. Rainbow heart it. Bring it in. Move on. I like that you rainbow heart this situation and not the person. Mm, Because mm, I think mm, it's like, mm. psychically, that can get a little funky. You know what I mean? You're like, Mm. that's not... I don't want people doing that to me. They're like, you trigger a rainbow hurting, you know, like in the psychic world. It's like, this is an energy you've created in the situation. What's that part of you you can do instead of like, I'm going to send them love. Yes. The sending them love so often is a superiority trip. I see that you need the love and I have it to send to you. And I'm sending judgment. You're sending judgment. Yeah. And... Same gesture, same practice from the heart. Oh, it's also powerful. I'm sending you love, brother. I'm going to stream it. I'm just, I'm going to pound out light to you. I hope you get it. I also like consent. If we're all one, do they need your consent? If it's pure, do they need your consent? Who doesn't want to be blessed? Mm -hmm. And I do think consensual healing 
allows for more healing. Like even when I go for a facial, when I go to the dentist, when I go for an actual healing, I say, I accept, receive, assimilate, integrate, and give thanks for this healing. Anybody can do that. I'm open to this healing. I celebrate receiving this because the mind is going to be resisting. The mind is constantly resisting healing. Yeah. This is how you use your awakeness to get the mind on board. You get all aligned and you get all dispensa on stuff and you heal yourself. Yeah. What would you say your greatest accomplishment of your life is that? I have a kind son. He's quiet and he's compelling. His name is Harper. I didn't talk about him. 18 years, never mentioned his name on social media. And then finally, since he knows what social media is about, I said, is it okay if I use your name? I also, and this is so ego, I didn't want anybody stealing his name. I want it to be as unique as possible. And it's a, you know, was a unique name. And Laporte. Wow, that's dope. Yeah. Yeah, I actually wish I would have made it part of his last name so that he would sign, you know, when he signed his little paintings in school, he would have been Harper Laporte Johnson. His quietness is his power because he's observing and he has great taste in music. He's going to be away for my birthday. You're a Virgo? No, he's going to be yeah. tree planting in another country in May when it's my birthday. And I gave him a little like guilt nudge. I was like, yeah, you just texted me for my birthday last year. I was like, I want a playlist. That's our love language is music. Yeah. Yeah. I am so excited for you to have babies someday. I know. I cannot wait. I yeah. love children. You're going to be so, so into it. Yeah. Much. I love you so much. Yeah. I'm not like pressured about it, but I'm not going to be overbearing, but I'm excited to like bring through my Your little being. Yeah. You know, I just, I love love, but I'm so grateful that you came. I'm so glad oh, we got to be together in person. Third time together. Third. Third. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Let's keep going. In Canada, that'd be called a hat trick. So it's a hockey thing. You get three goals in a row. Yeah. It's a hat trick. Hockey. Yeah, hat, hat trick. <laughs> and just thank you for being someone that's inspired me for so long. You're a trailblazer mm. in this space. Mm. You're so authentic. You're so truthful. You're so heart-centered. You're so loving. You're so you. I know that where it matters, you get the recognition you deserve. And the angelic. I'm huge in the inner world. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> That's what I always say. I'm like, my angels know what's up. Followers yeah. maybe not angels. Yeah. And not to just do this kind of sunshine wank, but I really, I see you. I admire you. Like I see the path. I mean, this isn't a psychic thing, but it's just like, you are going to have staying power. Yeah. Cause you are doing the work. Like a cock. And you're funny. <laughs> You gotta have a sense of humor. Like, I know, dude. Do you this. Sense of humor being this freaking joke space. Yeah. Okay. I love you. I love you. Bye, guys. Thank you so much, Danielle Laporte. You can find Danielle at Danielle Laporte on Instagram, and it's DanielleLaporte.com. And the book is How to Be Loving. I love it. Thank you all for listening. For more information about Almost Thirty, about Krista and I, about what we offer in community, and also our partners. So you heard some ads in this episode. They're only brands that we love, have vetted, and use ourselves. You can find all discount information there as well, almost30.com. Thanks for being here. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.